Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker. The number to call in or to ask your question is 718-683-5858. I'm looking forward to taking your question or comment on that level. And any question along the emotional lines. An interesting concept I would like to share with everyone, and that is I had an amazing time. I was just in Eretz Yisrael for literally three days. Arrived Thursday afternoon, went straight from the airport to a wedding, and came right back. I should say Sunday morning. What I found was interesting was, if you can almost imagine, like almost anything that can go wrong on the flight getting there practically happened. We're ready to take off. And then, sure enough, someone isn't feeling well, and they don't want to get off the plane. They've got the EMT coming, plane delayed. Then the EMT said they can't fly. They refused to get off. So then they had to get the police coming onto the plane to remove the person. Finally, that person is removed, and the family member says, if that's the case, then they will go off. And once they were going off, now we had to remove the entire, or I should say really restructure, take off their suitcase, which took another hour. Then getting to Ertz's role, there were different issues that were just happening. And somehow what I found was when I didn't have that pressure, that expectation, I need to, these have to happen. There was no control. I was just going to be with family members for a simcha, be at the wedding. Whenever I get there is good, be there for Shabbat Shavar enjoy just the family, the Kayacha family. And it was just so peaceful every step of the way. And the concept when I was talking to people is just that letting go, that need of control, that need of that things have to go a certain way, is what really has such an effect on us. So what we're going to be doing now is, I would like if we can go with that thought, with that awareness, and when things happen, we have a certain expectation. It's not really what happens, effect. it's about the side stresses, the control that we have. And when we're just free, and there's a major, a major change. One more bit of information I'd like to announce is that in about a week, I will be doing a four-evening course on anxiety. And the number to sign up to that course on anxiety or how to deal with anxiety is 201-691-7626, 201-691-7626. And just to clarify, anxiety is going to be giving you many tools that we use, have you identify the causes of anxiety and how anxiety works. I don't want to give the misinformation saying you'll be cleared and healed from anxiety because many times people are coming for several months for therapy. Many times they need longer. Many times they need medication. But what you will be able to do is identify where anxiety comes from, recognizing those anxious thought patterns that we're not even aware of that it happens. We're going to be able to, those that are in therapy for anxiety or having anxiety, you'll be able to understand the theories behind the systems and tools that you're going to be learning. You'll also be learning a lot of the cognitive tools, cognitive, a lot of the behavioral tools, and a lot of the subconscious tools. It's a very hands-on, experience-based program. So I'd just like to thank everyone for those that are listening that you can sign up, numbers 201-691-7626. And now we're going to be going to our regular program. Miss, Mr. M, on with Mordechai. Hello. Um, I'm 10 years old, and I'm going to camp for the first um, time, and I'm like a very picky eater. And, like, what am I going to do when, like, when they're, when like I'm gonna I'm gonna be very hungry. Yeshiva, 
like I eat, and then like I, I don't eat, I because I don't like it. And then, but when I get home, I just eat my mother's good supper. So like I don't know what to do. Ah, and you're ten years old, right? Yeah. Good. Let me ask you, why don't you eat the food in yeshiva? What does it mean when you say you're picky? I don't know. Like I'm. Um, I don't, I don't like certain food and stuff, and like, when I look at the food, it just looks very... <laughs> Doesn't look so appetizing. Yeah. All right. So let me explain to you with a little bit of theory, a little ideas, and then you'll tell me if that will work with you. Many times when we're picky about the foods that we have, it, or it could be one out of several reasons, but let's start with a simple one. The simple one could be that when we have parents that give us the things that we would like, then we have more the ability to be picky. That means that if I have a choice of, let's say, a, a frankfurter, a steak, or some vegetables, usually we will take the meat over vegetables, right? Yeah. Yeah. What happens if you only have vegetables in the house then, and you're hungry? What will you do? I eat vegetables, but I don't, uh, um, I like vegetables. Good. Let's stop a second. Let's go take that. So what happens is when we have a choice of things that taste good right away and something that doesn't taste that good right away, what we do is we usually will take the thing that we like better, right? And that's everyone. But what happens if we don't have first choice? We have second, third, and fourth choice. Then what will you do? I don't know. Well, most of the time, most people will be able to then eat level 2, level 3, and level 4, the other stuff. And I've got the same way. There are many times that I prefer certain things, but then there are times when I don't prefer something, but that's what we got right now, and we make do with the matzah. That's, that's a concept that we use. You make shalom with the matzah. So that's step number one. Step number one is what will you do in camp? If you don't hate the food, you just don't like it, you have more options. <clears throat> you have parents that are very nice, that are giving you, you know, more options than other people have, or, or your mother and father are willing, or especially your mother's willing to make you foods that you like, then that's okay. But if you don't have that, then you will learn how to adjust and do other stuff. That's answer number one. Answer number two is sometimes... You're the type of person that the other foods really disgust you. You cannot take any other food. You can only take these foods. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, if someone's got it a stronger level, sometimes we couldn't call that a sensory issue. What sensory means is that they don't like the way certain foods taste, and you taste the food so much more than other people. So if I would have, let's say, if there would be something that would have a harder smell that I might not like, it will just be a big deal. To someone that might have a bit of a sensory means the senses are a lot stronger, are a lot more heightened, means they taste everything a lot more. They smell everything a lot more. The touch and the feel, the clothing on the body are a lot more. Do you ever have that sometimes with your clothing, that, like, they, they don't feel so well on you? Is it just with food that you have it, or you have it in other things, too? No. Just food. Now, mm -hmm. let me ask you, have you ever gone away to your grandparents, to aunts and uncles? Yeah. And do you eat their food? Yeah. Good. So it's more when you're home that's the issue, right? That because your mother, I don't, I don't want to use the word spoils you,
but she gives you a lot of choices. Would you say that's it? No, it's, 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 what am I going to do in camp? Right. Well, what do you do when you're at the aunts and uncles and you're not at home? How do you manage there? Because I like their food. Ah. Well, what would happen if you would know that you're going to adjust to the camp's food like everyone else? It might take you three, four days, but then you'll get used to it. I don't know, but I'd rather eat something that I'd like. Of course, I would also rather that. Do you know most parents would rather not go to work? Would you agree with that? Yeah. Now, why do you think toppies and mommies go to work if they have to, or mommies do the laundry? They really don't want to do that. Because they have to. Yeah. That's right. So now what teaches our mind is when we have to do things, we're able to do it. I just came out with a book, and that's a large part of the book, that we should just start doing things, not needing to want to like it. So little kids, little babies, they don't like something, you know what they do? They, they spit it out. As we get older, we learn not to spit it out. Now that you're turning 10 and you're starting to go to camp, that's one of the benefits of camp, where we stop being that, that kid where mommy and tati give us everything. Now we've got to be around the whole group. Now we've got to manage with the group. Now we've got to manage with camp food. Maybe you can have a little food. Maybe you can have a little snack that you'll have, but you're really going to have to eat. You will learn how to do that. And that's the benefits of being away from the house. We start becoming and being like everyone else. Does that make sense? Yeah, but what I'm saying is, what? It's called maturity. What I'm telling you is, it's called maturity. Maturity means not being able to, not being able to get what you want, and you're learning to enjoy it and to do it anyway. That's called maturity. And now that you're turning ten and you're going to camp, we see huge changes in different kids when they come back from four weeks or eight weeks in camp because they didn't have that way of being in their house where they were able to get whatever they wanted. So what I'm telling you is it's not going to be easy for you. You might not like it, but you will find that it's much easier than you think, and you will find that you'll be a stronger and a better person because of that. All right. Yeah, well, like, what if I'm, I'm not going to like it and I'm just going to, like, want to go to the canteen and, like, get junk or something, and then and I know it's not good for me. Well, let's say your parents are going to give you $10 for, for the half a summer, $20. You're going to use the canteen and money in five days, and then what are you going to do? Eventually, life is going to teach you. You see, you're still speaking a little bit like the kid that if I don't like something, I'll get it my way. That's where maturity comes in. What happens if a father doesn't want to go to work that day? I guess so. That's right, and that's called maturity. We don't do that to kids when they're three years old. Right? But when you're 10 years old, now's the time when we do it. All right? Yeah, thank you so much. My pleasure. So what I'm telling you is you're going to go to Camp Meritishem. You're going to take the food. You're not going to like it that much. Some suppers you'll like better. Some lunches you'll like better. And you're going to learn this when you take more Tuesday nights. You don't like it. Maybe you'll save your canteen for Tuesday nights. 
or maybe you'll eat a little bit, you'll figure it out. But just know that the first couple days you won't like it, but then you are going to like it, Merit Hashem. And then you're going to learn to at least appreciate certain things you do have, certain things you don't have, and they're all okay. Thank you for calling in, for being so brave to call in. We are going to go to Yaakov. You're on the line with Mordecai. Hello? Hello? Yes. Hello? Yes. Hello? Hello? Yes, Yaakov, you're on. Yeah, um, I'd like to thank you for uh, for the show with uh, Nissan and all you do for the quality show. Uh, it's really amazing, and the audience will hope the, the audience shall, shall, shall learn, learn from you what they have to do for quality show, to help quality show in, in any easy way they can. Thank you, and um, amazing for that uh, right to, Beautiful, and, a, and always a special thank you to Harav Nissim. Yep, he is amazing. Yeah, I'd like to, um, to ask two questions. One question um, is, I want to know, because I want to learn from it, um, a lot of times uh, the Oilam asks you questions, you see, you can see the, the questions is like, uh, Mamish, uh you have to you have to breathe uh, you no know, no and and that and and you can you can go to the next question question like uh, in the next minute somebody calls you like a real problem and you don't you you can concentrate it understand what I am asking I'm not sure if you can just give it to me a little bit a little more words Somebody, somebody called you like from London. If if she uh, if she uh, she she should uh, uh, get divorced because her husband uh, do this and this. Yeah. And yeah, and 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 you go you 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 had uh, you had told her, and then right you go to the next question and to another. I want to know how, from where you from where you get. You gain uh, such uh, so ruic. Understand what I mean? Yeah. So let's That's a heading question. Such a question. Right. So your question I'll is: be- How am I able to hear some huge sorrows by Claudius Roll or a question, and I can yeah. just remain calm and go to the next question? Yeah, I want to know. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah. All right. So let's let's just put something into a little perspective and to understand that. Do you think I was just born with that and it happens naturally? <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. And I could tell you it's the other way around. Actually, I was born on both sides, both my mother's side and my father's side, that we care for everyone and we take home our work with us. means when you help someone, if someone has with a sorrow or a problem, you can't sleep at night. That's what I was raised with. That's the family that I was raised in. So now, if that's how I was raised, and I've always in life taken things so personal and taken let's say, taking the work home with me, how do you think I got, how do you think I got there? Or got to this level where, it, at least to you, it seems I'm not taking it home with me. How do you think we got there? And the reason why I'm taking it is... No, no, I'm not saying you're not taking... You can't go... No, right yes, I'm taking it as a positive. I'm taking it as a strength. I'm asking you, I, I want you to recognize, I think your point is so powerful, that if my nature is one way, how did I get to another way? Yeah. All right. So here is where I'll just share with you a little bit the understanding. When you get into the therapy line to help someone, in the Gaisha system, there's something called supervision. 
Supervision means you have a supervisor that helps you out That's that when you have these questions. When, what do you do when someone needs to reach you at night, when there are problems that are bigger that you can handle? And you have, not only do you have one supervisor, but the first year and two, so means while you're in college, you have two supervisors, two people that you can ask your questions to, plus in one of those you have a class, which is almost like a group setting where everyone brings their questions, and that's what it's meant for. And now each one helps the other with advice, with experience. So imagine if you would have two years... Two people specially set aside for you, two hours a week, and one of those hours a week is meant with a group. We have a whole group of other people in your level helping you out. How do you think you will, so how do you think you will be then? Will you be able to hear something and then move on, understand what's within your power, what's not, when to refer on, and to be at ease? Because a large part of what happens in those classes are, but I could help them, what should I do, or I should help them. And you get the supervision, you get the training on how that shouldn't affect you. Mm-hmm. Then after you have two years of two hours a week having someone supervise you, and then that group supervision, you have after you graduate, you need to have three years of several thousand hours of working with people plus being supervised once a week of it for about an hour. So imagine you get five years of supervision where you can bring these questions to someone before you get your licensed clinical social worker, that's C. So do you think even someone like me that is so emotional, I took the work to heart so much and I cared about everyone, do you think I could then get the training after about five years that it could start making sense? Is that correct? Yeah. That I can start, that, I, I will, that there's that healthy attachment and also that healthy detachment. You need the both levels. And that is something that one of the main important steps I like in the professional system, and I see those that don't go through the licensing levels where their life gets taken over. But now, being that I gave you that information, now let me tell you the other side. Everyone always talks about the great side and how the rose, you know, how, how the grass is greener on the other side. But now let me tell you something. Two years ago, I had to drop my cell phone. It means I'm from the few people, probably kids 12 and under, me and the kids 12 and under that don't have cell phones. Do you know why? Because I did care that much, and I did read the emails and texts when people sent me, and I still do. It happens to be those clients of mine have the number where they can reach me, where they send a message, I read it like once or twice an evening, but not more. So even with all that, I purposely don't have a cell phone because I care so much, and if someone sent me a message, please, I must speak to you, even if I don't know the person, it would affect me a little, or why are you ignoring me? Sometimes people would send me nasty texts. I already sent you six messages, oh, only for money you will respond, just because I'm not a client so you won't respond to me, or just because my problem is too hard for you to handle means you shouldn't take me, you have to take me anyhow. And then people sometimes use the rabbinical population. Who are you to decide if you're, if you, if you'll, you know, for you not to answer or not? Or how dare you put your family ahead of me? Your, pa- your family has a good father when they need it, but me, I don't have that. Mm-hmm. And because I got so many of those messages for a number of years, I just decided I'm not looking to fight that. So what I want you to recognize mm-hmm. is on one hand, I'm telling you that I'm trained in that. But on the other hand, it's also the other way around, that it still got to me, and I created that peacefulness, that space uh-huh. where I dropped the cell. So it goes two ways. Again, uh-huh. I'd just like to announce to people the number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718 and we've got a couple of openings now for some phone calls. So you can go ahead, call in now, 718-683-5858. Yes, I'm on with you. Yeah, um, yeah my, my, my second um, 
question was if if you see uh, you you said uh, a lot of times that uh, somebody has anorexic the they try to be uh, a boss on, the, on themselves. If 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 they see a mishpuch who has who has an erectic, you have to you have to find out more about the mishpuch by by shaduchim. I didn't say that. No, I'm asking it. Oh well, why are you picking anorexia? Why don't you use balgaiva? I would first worry about a family that's no, 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 because he told me that that you told that uh, somebody uh, not eating them. Um, they usually I'm have, using have, detailed have words. Let me ask you, what home. about depression? Why don't? Why are you just picking? Why, well, I'm asking you. Let's pick gaiva. A lot worse than anorexia. Gaiva is <laughs> a lot worse. Gaiva has uh, made fifth, has made a thousand people go off the derech. A million people go off. Whatever numbers you want. I, I would I, with that question that you just asked. I would take it to a lot more things that I, I have bigger issues than than anorexia. How uh, many people in the from world have anorexia? How many people are going off the derech? How many divorces are having because of gaiva? How many shaduchim happen just because of money? No, I don't want you to... Uh, I, I feel that by giving some information about anorexia, we're just now labeling every family member. Uh-huh. I want to share with you much bigger problems. Money. How many shaduchim happen because of money? Uh-huh. Let's focus on not that. Let's focus on being clear. Don't worry about the family if there's a family member that has an anorexia, anorexic child. It happens. It could be a lot of stuff for, for reasons and purposes. Don't go into that. They're wonderful, magnificent families. If you want to know the bigger uh-huh. issue, the bigger issue is the, these mentions I, I mentioned. Families of Algaivas. Families where there's no emotional awareness. Families mm-hmm. where people are just doing shaduchim, they're being blind by the chitzenas, by the money or the looks or things like that. That's a much bigger problem, and a lot more people are getting married and divorced because of that. Mm-hmm. You and I know that, right? Come on. Uh-huh. Let's, not, let's not label families that there's a child that has a disorder. That is the issue. Just because someone is depressed, just because someone has anxiety, just because someone has an eating disorder, just because even sometimes there are families where the children have committed suicide. We're going to apostle entire families? No. If we're going to start apostling people, we should start apostling those that are doing shaduchim for the chitzenius reasons. Instead of recognizing that the Rabbi Yishlam gave us an opportunity to build a bias, Nemo Yisro, where the Rabbi Yishlam will put his name there. And as we just saw in the last couple of parashies, of Chas Shalom, if there's a Shiloh of a site where the Rabbi Yishlam lets his name be crossed off for Shalom Bayis, let's really focus on the importance of Shalom Bayis. Is this boy or girl right for my child? Is this boy or girl, is this... Man or woman, right for me? That should be the question. Mm-hmm. Let's not try to find one chesarn in the family. Uh, uh, okay, thanks. You're uh, welcome. We are going to go to Miss M. You're on the Mordechai. Hello. Yes. Hi. Okay, so my question is, I have depression and anxiety, and um, I'm actually doing two kinds of therapy. I, I, I'm on medication. I, I'm finishing up an IOP program. And I just, in the past, like, three weeks, I... Did you I, what an IOP um, program is? So far, I knew what everything was. What was an IOP? IOP, um, Intensive Outpatient Program. Oh, okay, fine. Thank you. Um, and I... Um, so I'm finishing that up, and just three weeks ago, I developed this fear of leaving my house. And... Agoraphobia. Um, what? Yeah, the, the professional term for that is agoraphobia. Right. Yeah. And um, so I haven't really been at work. I haven't really been out of my house. 
Hold on. Tell me what um, you I... haven't been telling me. What's going on that you're going to therapy, you're in an IOP, you're on medication. What's not being handled? What's not what? What's not working? In other words, if you're going to therapy, you're on the medication, things should be moving. You should, you know, it's the, the upslope should be happening, not the downslope. Not that another anxiety should be building. Agoraphobia is, is under the, is under the parsha. It's under the, it's under the chapter of anxiety. Why are you right, doing more anxiety than you're doing the right stuff? There was something that triggered it. Okay. But I still, like, I wanted to know, like, that, that was my question. Like, like, what am I not doing right? What am I doing wrong? That, like, Right. Let me ask you something. Are you happy with the psychiatrist? Are you happy with the doctor? Yeah. Okay. Are you happy with the... the, First, what do they say? What does the program say? What do the therapists say at the program? Why is it developing? Um, Well, it's, it's it's like a setback, but it's not really a setback because I never had it before. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Is there something that you've experienced in your life, a certain trauma that you have not discussed yet in therapy? They haven't brought it up? Um, so if you were a client of mine, the first session, I would already start going and tell me a secret you've never told anyone. And that's, again, why you don't work with friends and family, because I could go straight to the most private places. And I don't do that with most, with most clients. I usually wait a second or third session to start going into the real, real deep kishkas that's out there. Are you in a very unhealthy environment? Like I plan on giving now a course on anxiety, a four-evening course on anxiety. And one of the main steps that we're going to, I shouldn't say the main, each evening is going to be divided into, you know, cognitive, the, changing our thought patterns, which is cognitive therapy, and giving a behavioral exercise, but as well as understanding some of the subconscious messages that's going on. Let me ask you, are you in a current anxious environment? It means our environment has a huge effect on us. Are you around people that are negative? Are you around people that are depressed? Are you around people that are stressed? Are you around people that are confrontational? These are all really. Not really. Not really any of those. Okay. Then in your childhood, did you have a lot of that? I don't think so. I think I had a very healthy um, family situation. Then let me ask you, what makes someone that has a very healthy and productive life get anxiety and depression? Um, I think it's genetic. Genetic. So if it's genetic, medication would work. Most of the time. I shouldn't say always. There's always a percentage that medication doesn't work. I want you to know anxiety and depression happens to be two diagnoses that medication has a very good success rate. I know, but I mean, I've been on medication for like a good couple of months already, and, and maybe there's some change between that and therapy, but it's very slow. Okay. Did you tell the psychiatrist that there's a very small change? Because many times they would raise medication, change medication. Were the medication raised? Did they try a different regimen of medication? Yeah, yeah I want something else, especially now with this agoraphobia thing. Okay, and how long are you on that? Um, how I many guess times like did they raise the medication? Let me ask you a different question. Before the agoraphobia developed, were things improving? Yeah, I was making slow progress. With the medication, it was still slow progress? Yeah. Because generally, generally for anxiety and for... What? No, I had this, like, very persistent anxiety disorder that, like... Any other family members have anxiety disorder? Do any other family members have anxiety disorder in your family or depression? Yeah. How many other members? 
I don't even know exactly who they are or what. And can even be first uh, cousins, by the way. Doesn't have to be immediate siblings. Um, well, for sure, too, with depression and one with anxiety. Okay. So let me share with you a concept that sometimes comes up when I work with therapy, and tell me if this concept will help you. Almost everyone that I work on that suffers from anxiety all tell me they come from a very healthy and normal family, successful, productive parents. And once we start digging with a lot of the questions that will be brought up during the anxiety workshop, what we start recognizing is, oh, so that's considered not healthy, means how many of your parents are perfectionists, mother or father or just one? Um, probably one. Okay. And how many of, let's say, that one that, that is a perfectionist, how many times do they get very frustrated or upset if something doesn't work out well the first or second time? Always. Yeah. How many times did you hear growing up messages like, how did you do on the test? And in your mind, you already know, Ave, they're going to be upset they didn't do that well. Um, it's not really like, I mean, it's more like, I mean, it's not, I guess it's not so much perfectionist. It's more, I guess it's more like a strong anxiety environment. Or uh, like, well, you know, nervous about everything. Okay. Now, how connected are you still with your family? I'm single, living at home. What? I said I'm, I'm living at home. Okay. Well, then, let's understand, just being in an anxious environment will have that effect on you. Means emotions, anxiety are feelings that we feel. And a lot of it is what we'll also be learning in the tools, like just one of the tools that I'll be teaching is because the concept is for the brain to get a reminder. It's almost like put a hand by your forehead and I'm not going to go into all the theories right now, but the concept is that when our brain, we have like our feeling part of the brain, like the radar is on, and sometimes just putting your hand by your forehead or putting your hand by your heart and sort of saying, now I am choosing not to feel what is happening in the environment. It's making a conscious choice with some other steps that we'll be doing in, in it. But we're going to be starting to say, I choose to stop my thinking. So if you're in an anxious environment, while well, you might be on medication, while well, you might be doing better, but if the environment gets stressed, know that it will have an effect on you unless you start having some tools, which will be discussed in therapy. Sometimes the solution is even leaving the house a little, coming home for Shabbos, I'm coming home twice a week. And many of my clients know that when there's a highly tense or stressed environment, that's just a reality, which means if you're going to be working in the mud, if you're going to be a construction employee and you're going to be working, your body is going to be getting dirty. And therefore, we need to start learning. Either we change positions or you take showers more often, you clean off your clothing, you bring several changes of clothing, whatever it should be, but that's what you need to do. So that's a lot, a lot of steps might have to be. Is Now, how do you manage the home, is, the home environment? Which might be the trigger to cause other places. It means you might have that parent that gets very anxious, very stressed, and then also you can't go to work the next day. That makes sense. That's real. And a large part of your therapy is focused on that. That's what I have with many clients that have anxiety. We need to recognize, and that's the main part of the workshop, is to create the awareness. Look at triggers. You're not, I won't jump to genetic right now to as much as environmental. Mm -hmm. I once had a person come to me saying, this guy, the doctors, they wanted to load up this person with medication. I'm not going to say if it's a male or female. I'm not going to say the age either. And all I said was, let's look at the environment. Whenever you're in this environment, you get down for about a week or two later. When you're not in the environment for six to eight weeks, you're excellent. 
why are we saying that it's genetic instead of identifying that it's the environment? And this person doesn't want to, doesn't want to say that it's that environment for whatever reasons they have. Let's assume that they want to go to that grocery store every day, so it's that environment, but we've got to start learning other choices. Before I would jump to genetic, I would first jump to that. Okay, so do you think that, that it's not getting better because of the environment? What? Do you think that I'm not getting better because of the environment? I don't know. I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that because I'm not a therapist. I didn't do a thorough okay. evaluation. I have no idea what medications you're doing. I have no idea what, what you're taking. I have no idea what's happening. Remember, this program is okay. for awareness. What I'm creating okay. is this awareness. Okay. So I should say differently. I just say it's possible that it's happening because of environment. Very, yes, and that I would say very strongly. And then the other thing is what, what, like, about this um, agoraphobia thing, like, it, it's like consuming my life. Like, literally, yeah. every night I, I get so stressed because I'm just home all day, and I, I, like, I think I should go to the hospital because I'm, like, so worked up, I'm so crazy. And, like, I don't even know, like, what I should be doing about it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'd like to tell you several, first of all, several messages that we got. One of them is, wow, this person is sharing such personal information. I am gaining so much from that. Another one sent, please don't forget to recommend they, that they run a medical test to rule out pathological imbalances. Shouldn't be overlooked. So I'd like you to know that. Did they ever do, by the way, a thyroid or that type of full blood work? You, I, and I appreciate the messages that we're getting from people. For an example, all there the could be mono and, and all that's, you know, all that, yeah. it's possible. Epstein Barr yeah. and things like that. Okay. Yeah, I Okay. Well, then, yeah. So, what I would say is an environment has a large in, in impact on a person, of course, especially for the issue of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for calling in. Your bravery is amazing, by the way. I want you to know it is truly amazing, and I appreciate it. And just know that you're sharing or you're asking the question is helping so many people out there. Okay. Thank you so much. You're very, very welcome. The number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. We also got a message from someone that I'm going to disagree with. People don't die from gaiva, but they do die from anorexia. And I want to disagree with that very, very much so. People, unfortunately, do die from gaiva. They die emotionally. They die spiritually. They can even die physically from what Gaiva does do, and we're talking about over here an entire family machlo, the amount of divorces, the amount of kids that are depressed, the amount of kids that don't, or people that don't want to go on living, people that are just negative, ruining everyone else's day. Yes, there is, and it's very serious, Gaiva, it's very serious what's it affecting. And because one sibling in the family might have a a disorder, there's absolutely no excuse at all to compare the, to say that they're not the same. They are very much the same. And unfortunately, I would say that Gaiva has a worse effect in a family than if someone's got a eating disorder. Yes, I will very clearly stick to this opinion. And again, you can disagree, but it's definitely my opinion. I've seen the most amazing families where everyone is okay, and there was one issue with the parent and the child for whatever reason, or that child had certain issues, or whatever the child went through that has anorexia. However, the family and the parents are amazing golden people. However, when there's gaiva by the parents, oh, unfortunately, it smells, and it's not just one kid that would have an issue, then almost all the kids have an issue, besides that one or two kids which take it the other way. So if you ask me, my opinion, 
gaiva a lot, a lot worse than a family member that might have anorexic or any other disorder. I would even say disorders aren't an issue at all, but anorexia, which is, which is more concerning, I definitely would put gaiva way, way, way worse than anything like that. Yes, I still stick to that opinion. For those that were curious um, about for the anxiety workshop that I plan on starting Metzisham next Wednesday, it is on the numbers 201-691-7626, 201-691-7626, and it's an anxiety workshop starting June 10th in the evening. We are now going to go to Mrs. S. Mrs. S., you're here. With Hello? Hello? Yes, hi. Yes. Hi. Can you hear me clearly? Very clearly, Baruch Hashem. Okay, good. Hi. Very I could, clear, I should say. Okay, good. I could very easily introduce myself in a way that you would very no, much know me. I could say I am uh, Shem second in command. <laughs> oh, I know those. I used to have that yes, role. Yes, you know those. You oh, have you bet you. I wrote the entire on book those. on that. Oh, you have a book. Okay, I'll probably get that. Um, okay, I've heard that class, uh, like three months ago, and I let it sink in this whole entire time, and just, you know, I analyzed you know, my entire life. let's tell what that is, because I know the language, you know the language, but we've got I know, but I'm here. embarrassed. <laughs> I will just tell them about it. So I've got a program on the phone line, which is called Hashem's Second in Command, and what that is, is that is very, very much about, that is very much about controlling Controller. and perfectionists. And that is, a, that is those of us that we feel we're Hashem's second in command. It means if someone has a problem, and notice how we do it out of the goodness of our hearts, that if yes. someone has a problem, we must help them. If we know someone is doing something wrong, we want to tell them the right way to do it in a nice way, but they've got to do it. If our children are doing something that I feel isn't right, we must help them out or they're going to have problems later on. But we do it in a way that if it's not going to happen our way, we can't sleep at night. It bothers us. And that's another term that I use for codependence. And yeah. when do, how do we recognize if we're Hashem's seconds in command? It's very simple. If Hashem doesn't listen to us <laughs> the way we would like, and I, use this, and I should say in the most coveted way out there, then we get upset. And if someone, we try davening for someone to have a foolish lame and it doesn't work out, we get upset. We get depressed. We start... Really being upset, why didn't the Shalom listen to us? We davened. How could, he, how could the person not get better? We davened for this deal should go through, and it didn't happen. And that's when we start noticing that, that, is, that that's the issue. Yeah, that's me. Yes, now. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, after letting it sink in and everything, I'm still a little bit confused as to the level of that a person is supposed to do when it comes to, you know, when a, when a, when a problem comes to your hands. Like, I, I can't just sit idle. I just cannot. And especially, it's a separate question, but especially if it's your child. Like, your child needs a series, let's say, Yeshua, Refuashalim, or something. I, I went through this for four years, and I davened, and I davened, and I davened. And I did what I, I, what I thought was... What, what, what Hashem was waiting for me to do because I knew, like I've, I've been told since I was a teenager that I have connection, connections upstairs. Like I am that yeah. person yeah. that, you know, people go to because they know how much I will put into it. Like, um, I, I just don't, like, I, 
I, I see in retrospect that probably it didn't go my way because I was pressuring so much. Maybe Hashem like really was like sick of me controlling him or something <laughs> that like he just wanted to prove a point that like it's not going to go your way. It'll happen when I say so and not when you think it's the right time. But whatever. Aside from that, I I don't know how to move on from 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 that. Like um, right now, something in the family came up and. I'm scared to take it on because it's so huge <laughs> that, like, I, I right. know I will probably fail. But I deep inside, I feel like it's my responsibility. And if I don't do it, then it's going to be my fault if that person ends up suffering. Let's like, stop that right is there. Deep down. There you go. That's control. I know. Do you realize know. how much stress is going on in your life? You need to take upon yourself this big project. You're pretty sure you're going to fail. Notice the negative words going on. And if because you're not successful, if you don't take it upon yourself, you're going to blame yourself. Yeah. You've already guaranteed your life to have anxiety, uh, or not the clinical term of anxiety, but to have stress, to be overwhelmed, to not even enjoy the present time. That's your way of speaking what you've already solidified. I mean, just so for people. this specific one, I, I, just, I just feel like there's very little hope that I'm just completely neglecting it. Like, I'm just trying not to take it on. Um, yeah, now, don't you think, just let me ask you something, don't you think the way you're discussing that you could just use someone that has experience guiding you? Yeah, now, why do you think I'm calling about you? The uni therapy. Let's take out the word therapy. Don't you think with the way that sounds you could use some guidance, even though I, with the rug I could, or because Revison? at this point, at this point, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I either, exactly. I either That's neglect where guidance comes in. or go Notice. all over. Like, I, I That's go right. all out. And I can't, I, I don't know what the, the, that fine line of like, that's okay, right. I did my shit loose, and that's the level that is expected from a person. I, yep, I, I very easily probably cross that line. Or that's right, that's where guidance it. comes in. So what I'm telling you is your question is a question that is not a, a one-minute answer like do this or do that. What your yeah. question is is how do I deal with situations in my life that takes a lot more experience that I have that I don't know how to say no, or if I will say no, I will feel guilty, and I will feel wrong, and I will feel bad about that. So I'm not able to remove myself from the case. And there is a concept of Ishtadlis, and Hashem has given me the power to be there, to be in that position. Let me do it. But if I don't get guidance or advice how to do that, I will burn out, or I'm going to resent it, or I might even cause damage. And that's where you need, let's say, guidance. I would recommend that you speak to a licensed therapist, not to someone that is a, that's a life coach, or a Rav or Rebetzin that has many years' experience, because this is an issue that every one of them have. It means a licensed professionals have that they've got training in it, and a Rav or Rebetzin that has many years in the field also had that. Yeah. So all I'm telling you is you need now guidance for about the next six months or however long this situation is going on, once a week to speak to them, and how do you deal with this? And this way they can explain to you the concepts. You need someone with experience, where there are tasks greater than they can handle or tasks equal that they can handle, but they'll need to learn how to balance and juggle their life based with this difficult situation. And it's but very is my workable. role still to continue to be that person that just prays for the whole world? Or like, you know, You're allowed to. I still pray for the whole world. I was in Israel now for three days, and I daven for the entire world. <laughs> but can but, I go to But you know the night? role that I'm talking about. Like, am I, uh, you is, bet is that I know, but role? that's why you got my answer. <laughs> You want to hear how will you learn? Will you learn to balance and not take the world on your shoulders as much? And Harav Nissen is recommending that you actually read the Sefer of Living with Amuna from Rab, from Rabbi Arush, which is I do, great. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, you basically say it, said in your class in class 38 that people like me basically have no Shalom. <laughs> Let's just change it differently. I was saying there's a deeper level. I, I don't want to say that because Betachon, Chas V'Shalom, those old generations where we have to either, you know, you know, drop Yiddishkeit or, or, or dial Kiddush Hashem, there's no doubt in my mind that you will pick Kiddush Hashem. There's no doubt in my mind. So you have a Munah Betachon. What I am referring to is that deeper level of emotionally are we letting go, where we train, just like we're taught the Svarim of Emunah on how to have the thought way of living, we also need that guidance on how to let go of emotions. And that's, a, that's guidance. Today we just don't connect to our Rabbanim for that. We hear a share. We don't go one-on-one. Look how you picked up the phone to ask. Your question is about a letting go on the inside, and that's easy guidance. Of course, on the inside, because this is, like you said, um, a security issue. Like Yes. It's, I need to feel safe. <laughs> yeah. All I mean, right, it might so sound thank super... You. Okay. Great. So what yeah. we're going to do is the simple responses. Go ahead. Speak to someone that has experience. Okay. And all right. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. And Harav Nissen, we are going to go to Miss M. Miss M, you're on with Mordechai. Yes, hi. Hello? Yes. Hi, my question is about... Can you speak um, a little louder with a bit more power? I'm going to try. Thank you. Well, uh, it'll be hard for me to hear you otherwise, so... Okay, so my question is as follows. Um... I I feel like I need a like I'm feeling like this for a long time. Like I need to see a therapist. Wait again, I'm not hearing you now. I'm going to need you to speak a little louder. Like once you go you go your tone lowers. I need your tone to go higher up. Okay, so I feel like I need to see a therapist. I didn't and hear you for, again. <laughs> for various I feel reasons. Like... I feel like I need to see a therapist. Okay. And for various reasons, it's not possible. Um, what well, would you there is, there, let's, let's go backwards. There is no reason that it's not possible. There are many reasons why it's possible. There are many reasons why you don't want to take the pain of taking the choice of going to a therapist. Does that make more sense? Let's clarify. The word something is not possible, is that true or false? Is it possible? Yes. Do you like the outcome if you go? Your family might disown you, but you still can go. I want you to recognize the words. Our words have a huge power. And in the anxiety workshop, that's one of the levels that we're going to be learning, our words. You're stuck in a limited belief. The belief is not real. Do you understand what we just said? I just started challenging. This is a cognitive therapy approach. We're starting to challenge your beliefs. And not beliefs in Yiddishkeit. A belief is called an opinion. We'll change it for our from world. We will call it opinions. I'm challenging your opinion. You made a sentence. I need to go to therapy, but... Due to certain circumstances, I cannot go to therapy. That's an opinion. Do you recognize that? No, because it's not like... It's like if I tell my parents I need to go to therapy, then it's like... That's right. So let's recognize your issue is that you have limited... Your opinion is you have no choices, and that's a large part of your issue. Do you understand what I'm saying? I've jumped several steps in the therapy process. In the therapy process, I would be going with you. I really hear for you and feel for you that there are no options out there. You can't go for therapy. Now, what are you doing? You need therapy. 
then they'll be building the therapeutic alliance, if you were, let's say, a client of mine, which means to connect. Then we'll start recognizing what are things, or what can you do within your limiting opinion. means can you speak to a teacher? Um, I might be able to. That's right. So you start there. But what I wanted to ask is, like, if there's any alternatives. Like, I was reading your book live, and it really helped me, but up to a certain point. Of course. That's right. Well, let me ask you the question. If you said the words, you need therapy, and you liked the, my book that it helped you, it's a self-help book, but it's still not therapy. So is the alternatives. The alternatives are start with the life coaches, maybe open up to a teacher, to a principal, to a Revitson, someone that you're close to, and they might be able to start guiding you with your problems. Maybe you don't need a therapist. Maybe you just need an adult with experience. Let's start the process. Start what works in your, in your system. There's like a therapy called exposure therapy, and there are two ways of doing exposure therapy. There's one way doing the biggest fear, like if someone's afraid to swim, one way would be throw you into the pool, the deep water, and swim and face it. Let's say you know how to swim, you're just afraid to go in the water. The other way would be go slowly. And first just put your feet in the water, just stay in the pool area, then try getting closer to the water. Both systems work. I would not recommend for you to do the jump in the pool type. But I would recommend start with what you can. Who can you open up? Do you have an aunt that you can open up to? Do you have a grandparent you can open up to? Not, don't open up to friends your age. Don't do that. They're not capable and able to deal with you. You'll share them your opinion that it's not possible, and they might actually believe your limiting beliefs. We need someone that has more life experience that can open you up and share with you more information, get more things going. Does that make sense? Yeah. So go ahead. So share with me two options that you do have. Who can you get help from? Who can you open up to? All right. I don't know if you can still talk or if you need to go due to the noises in the background. No, it's fine. Great. So can you share with me, because I want to go to the next caller. We finish in about 10 minutes. So I'd like to go to the next caller. Share with me two options that you can open up to. All right. So we are going to go now. We're going to go to the next caller. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate the bravery. And we are going to go now to Mrs. S. Mrs. S., you're on. Hello. Yes. Yeah, hi. Um, I want to tell you that I bought your book. I'm all of reading it. I'm really enjoying it. Thank you. Can I ask you what a detail that you enjoyed of the book? Um, I skimmed through it. I'm I'm reading. I started reading like um, a lot of like examples of people with. Yeah, and did you find that it relates to you or to people that you know? Um, I'm sure a lot of things. A few of the things do relate to me. Okay, yeah, that was the point. We purposely put in... Um, makes the book you know, very interesting when you have examples of real. situations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and for those of you listening, the book is called Alive, A Ten-Step Guide to a Vibrant Life. Yeah, great. What is your question or comment? My question is like this. Um, 
I have a few neighbors here which the parents are um, basically working late at night. And the kids, the girls, like, um, they they could go to ice cream store like 9, 10 o'clock at night or go yeah. to Amazing Savings or go to Manhattan. These girls are very young, and my daughter is friendly with them. How young? Um, 12-year-olds. Okay, wow. Okay. So my daughter and like would ask me permission, could I go to the ice cream store with them? So I'd say... It's a little too late, then it's not a good idea. Or if she could go to Manhattan, I would tell her I'm really afraid. It's I care about her. I love her. Yeah. It's so, not appropriate for um, 12-year-old girls it, to go alone to Manhattan. It comes no. to a point where, like, most of the things they're doing is not really for their age. Right. So I'm saying no. My question is, is it okay for, that, for her to be friendly with them or... You've, let, let's take a very complicated question and make it, um, you know, let's set it balanced. So your question is that you live in a block where your daughter has some friends, and they're all, I'm assuming your daughter's 12 years old as well, where their mm-hmm. families are not, where their friends' families are not doing healthy protection or parental roles, means both parents are working and the kids are going to Manhattan, kids are going to places out at night when it's not appropriate for the age and for our friends. And now you're telling your daughter no every time she wants to be going with them, right? And your question mm-hmm. is, should you still have her be friends with them? Is it appropriate to say no? What do you do? Mm-hmm. Well, let's first recognize step number one. Would you, do you think it's healthy to let your daughter go out with them? Of course, um, no. Excellent. So that's clear that the right solution is she's not going with them. Right. Now, do you notice that her friends that she has are these friends? Is there anything that you can do to change her friends? Is there anything that I could change her friends? Yeah. Are there other people on the block that have healthy, stable environment parents where mothers are in the house at appropriate times and the kids are not allowed to go to those places and start now setting up that this, your daughter should have them as friends, means they should go to your house, have call up the mothers, tell the other mothers what's going on. Can they have your friend? Can they have the girls invite your daughter over there. Can you help your daughter get a different there, set there, of There's friends? only maybe one girl that um, that that that's not joining them from the entire block. The from the entire block, block where every girl, parent is only functional. Let me ask that again. You live in a block where everyone is dysfunctional. All the parents are working, and there are there the are uh, there are uh, all the yeah. It's sad, okay. but it's like four, there's maybe five families, there's five girls that age that okay. hang out together. And what about start doing other stuff? How about you set up with your daughter that till these are the rules, you can hang around them, but at 8 o'clock you're in the house. Well, 7.30 exactly you're what, in the house. We don't right. go to Manhattan. That's exactly what, that's exactly what I'm doing. At okay, 8 o'clock I talked okay, about my question, is, said, yes. my question is, is it okay for her to be with them? Now, how's the balance? Well, what do you think? Are they doing things that are inappropriate? They're doing things that are inappropriate, and a few of my neighbors that don't have children that age are tol- telling me that I should try. What is your I- instinct? Well, first of all, if they're hanging around without supervision, mm. do you see, first of all, do you see changes on your daughter? No. Okay. Let, let so me share with you, the, one, let me share with you the thoughts going through my mind. Let me share with you what's going through my mind, and you'll tell me your thoughts. Issue number one is that your daughter is hanging around girls that have no supervision. Issue right. number two is we don't know what these girls are seeing, 
and what mm-hmm. effect they might be having on your daughter. Issue number three is when you say no too many times, your daughter will start resenting you instead of appreciating that you are saving her life and saving her neshama and giving her the healthy balance that So one of the girls asked my daughter, aren't you mad at your mother? Right, that she exactly. Keeps, so we'll get there. And that's, that's right. That's that right. That's keeps, part of it. She keeps on telling you no. So she that's right. She Issue number four is over here that you don't have a different environment where to send her right now. Right. Now let's go to the other way. The other side is that we are so worried, and I see such pressures in schools today. Oh. Which school are we getting into? And it's got to be the best school. All the schools are great. There's one or two girls or boys in the class that aren't so good. That's in every single school. And sometimes we, we create this world of stress and of anxiety over the best for no reason. We worry about everything. I heard from one of the G'daylin where someone's asked them, should they, should, uh, they remove the kid from class if, they, if something happens to them for a certain reason? You know, I'll even say it was Rabbi Leib Steinman which is now in the Litzvish world, the Godel in, you know, in Ertisrael, and basically he's Maron. There's, in the Litzvish world, no one greater than him. And let's understand that someone asked Mishael, should they pull out the kid, if the, uh, the class, if there's a kid that isn't so good in the class? He said, I don't know. In my class, most of the kids, or I don't know if he said most of but in my class, many kids weren't even Shemesh Shabbos, and look how I turned out. Hmm. Let's understand, on one hand, we need to be able to create a safe environment for the, uh, our kids, on the other hand, we've turned them to such a perfectionist, pressured level where even if some kids have some issues, what's the big deal? It's mm-hmm. not a big deal. We all need to get a little vaccine, a little antibiotic, you know, not antibiotic vaccine, a little of the disease in our body, and that's how the body learns to fight it. Now, of course, we need to recognize how serious it is. Sending 12-year-old girls that they're going alone to Manhattan is far beyond that. So now, since we don't want to create a sheltered world, I would recommend that you recognize that it is important to create now other friends for your daughter. It means start arranging. Maybe Sundays she goes with these friends. You need to be more proactive. Mm. You need to be able to create for her healthy friends. It's extremely important for her to get healthy friends. Very, very, very important. Without mm. that healthy friends, she will pick up what she's learning from them. Now, how can you start creating other friends? Do you have, first, do you have sisters or brothers that have kids that can start coming over more often? Mm-hmm. You can ask the teacher, discuss this with the teacher, and maybe have the teacher have friends in the class call her or make phone buddies or something like that, where once a week, if they live a block away, you might go pick up the daughter, pick up the friend, and bring the friend to your house for two hours. Mm-hmm. That is some of the jobs of us as parents. Parenting, as we all know, isn't an easy, simple job. It takes a lot of work. Start thinking, if this is the massive, you don't sound like you're about to move houses for that. Mm-hmm. Although, just to be aware, that won't even be a bad, jo- a bad thing. Even to make the most extreme move, like changing and moving, is still an option. Because you're saving your kid's life forever. However, I think that's such an ex- there are so a thousand options before that. Mm-hmm. And I would say recommending yes to, call the tools, yes, to school, yes to call the school and the teachers and see how you get friends going in there. But it's definitely something to be considering for. I'd like to thank you for calling in yes, and everyone that is on the line and all the messages that we got. Appreciate it. And Merit Hashem, looking forward to speaking to you next week. Hatzlach and Harav thank you again for this amazing program opportunity.